Hello and welcome. You are now listening to the Space Witch Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Whitney Levesque, back again with another episode for you guys. As always, I'm so grateful that you guys are here. Um, I'm really excited to do this week's episode because it totally just popped into my head. I know last week I said that I was going to do like a Q&A thing, but if I'm being completely honest, this topic just lit me up so much more and If I'm following my human design and following my sacral authority, to me, that is a huge indicator that I need to be doing this. Of course, I would love to do, like, a QA and a episode um, eventually at some point. I don't know when, but it's definitely on my to-do list. But right now, um, this topic of wealth in astrology is just really lighting me up, and as a sacral manifesting generator in human design, I was just like, I have to talk about this. So... This was really fun for me because I didn't really, or not really, I didn't just, like, go on Google and look up, like, wealth indicators and astrology. Um, I mean, I did later on just to kind of see if there was anything maybe that I was missing, but for me, this was, like, a really fun little project because what I did was I did, like, a quick Google search of, like, I don't know, it was, like, highest paid people in the country right now or wealthiest people or wealthiest celebrities, something along those lines. And it was interesting because originally I came across like, it was like Forbes, like, you know, richest women under 30 or something like that. And I was like, oh, this would be a really cool topic. But then I realized that not everyone who makes a lot of money is also a celebrity. So for example, um, when I was looking at this this list of people, one of the people that popped up was the creator of Bumble, and I think her name is, like, Whitney Wolf Heard or something like that. And see, like, this is what I mean. I'm not even really remembering her name. I only kind of remember it because it's my name. Um, we're both named Whitney. But, yeah, I think her name's Whitney Wolf Heard. And um, when I tried to find a natal chart for her, there was, like, nothing coming up because she's not, like, a very well-known celebrity. Like, people know of her app, Bumble, which is, like, a great little dating app. Um, and you can also use it for a bunch of other things, too. I found out, like, you know, meeting friends and, um, making, like, business connections and stuff like that. But anyway, um, yeah, like, people know about her app, but I feel like a lot of people don't really know about her. And so, because she's not really, like, a celebrity, she didn't have any, like, natal charts or anything up. So I had to kind of narrow down my focus and really look at, you know, who are some of the wealthiest celebrities out there. And so some of the names that came up were people like Howard Stern, Dolly Parton, um, Matt Groening, who's like the creator of The Simpsons and Futurama. And also there's a show that I've actually been watching this recently, um, which is, uh, oh gosh, what it's called? Uh, Disenchanted on Netflix. Yes, that is another show that he worked on. Um, his net worth is like, I think 600 million or something crazy like that. Um, who else? There was also like Kylie Jenner, of course, was one that popped up. Rihanna. Um, there was, oh, Bono was another one, which by the way, guys, Bono has a crazy, crazy natal chart. Like, as an astrologer, like, I took one look at his chart, and I was just like, oh my god, there is so much happening here for this man. Um, like, it was just one of the more, like, crazier charts that I've seen. Uh, Matt Stone is another one that popped up, and he is one of the creators of South Park, and he's also made, like, a bunch of movies and side projects and stuff like that. 
And so that's just kind of like an idea. Um, Taylor Swift was like another celebrity that popped up. So that's just to kind of give you an idea of some of the people that um, I looked at. And so this was fun because I just looked at all of their charts and I tried to just notice any patterns or things that I saw. Um, before I get into like what patterns I noticed with all these charts, I just want to quickly talk about some like little things you can just use to start looking at like wealth indicators in astrology. And typically what you want to look at, um, which by the way, I'm, I'm not saying that just as a quick disclaimer before I get into, like, all these other things, um, I just want to say that these placements, like, if you don't have them in your chart, it doesn't mean that, like, you'll never be wealthy or that you'll never be financially stable or that you can't have money. I'm not saying that at all, but this was kind of just an experiment of things to look at for, um, you know, people that are making, like, millions of dollars and stuff like that. Um, and again, I'm not saying that you can't do that. We all have free will. We all have the ability to set intentions and manifest whatever the heck we want, and I believe that, you know, there's always an abundance of everything and that there is enough resources and stuff in the universe for literally everybody, um, but that's kind of a different com uh, conversation. But I just want to say that if you don't have any of this stuff in your chart, like, that doesn't mean that you're going to be broke or that you're not going to have money. I'm not saying that at all, but these are just things that I've noticed um, with people that tend to be more on the wealthier side. Um, and to be honest, since this was my own study, I don't even fully know, like, exactly what, what about these patterns sort of causes the wealth. Like, I, I have some ideas that I'm going to talk about, but, um, you know, it's like, it's not 100% all there. Anyways, moving on. So, yeah, so basically when you look at money and astrology, the first things that I typically tend to look at when I'm analyzing this stuff is the second house and the eighth house, and also you could look at the ascend ascendant and the midheaven. I would say the ascendant has a little bit less to do with, like, money and career um, compared to the midheaven. The midheaven is only one that I really look at because that is, like, your career, where you're going in life, what you aspire to do or be. Um, st oh, shoot. Okay, I'm so sorry about that, guys. Um, I just had a little technical difficulty there for a second. So, yeah, it's just, like, where you want to go and what you want to, like, aspire to be. So, I would consider that uh, a thing to look at. The second house in astrology. So, this is traditionally ruled by Taurus. And this house is really all about what you value. And the reason that this ends up being a money house is because a lot of the time what we value is money. And I don't mean that in, like, a materialistic way. I mean that more in the sense that money is a resource that we all sort of need and use in this society that we live in. It is just a resource and it is something we value. So, um, and it also, this house can be about material possessions as well. And we all have a second house in our charts. Um, you know, just having a second house, it doesn't mean you're materialistic or that you're um, someone who like is, you know, doesn't have a soul and like loves money. I'm not saying that, but um, this is the house you would want to look at if you wanted to know about your finances, is the second house, because this is just all about what you, what we value, um, and what you value. And so this can just show you all kinds of things. It can also sometimes tie in with, like, self-esteem and, like, your own talents as well and how you view yourself. 
which is interesting because a common thing that I've heard is that, you know, our whole relationship with money and receiving money is based on how much we value ourselves, which I always thought was an interesting concept. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you have the eighth house, which is always going to be the opposite of your second house. And the eighth house is traditionally ruled by Scorpio, which is the opposite sign of Taurus. And this house is the opposite of the second house in the sense where with the second house, we're talking about what you value and your money. The eighth house is all about other people's money and not, I wouldn't say necessarily it's about what other people value, but it's about like shared resources. So this could be things like, you know, how much your, your spouse or your partner makes. Um, this can also be about inheritance, inheritances. I don't know why that's so hard to say. Um, you know, like I've heard things that sometimes like if Jupiter transits your eighth house, that can indicate getting a big inheritance or something like that. Um, I, I just associate this house with inheritance, inheritances because, um, again, that's dealing with other people's money. So if you have certain things going on with your eighth house, that could definitely indicate that, you know, maybe you receive a lot of money through an inheritance or, um, something along those lines. This house also has to do with debt. So, if um, debt is, like, a big theme in your life, that could definitely be an eighth house thing. Um, and, yeah, those are just the sort of things that I associate with the eighth house. Um, so, those are your houses you want to look at. And, again, there then you also have the ascendant, which is how you appear to the world. Um, and it definitely has a lot to do with your one-on-one -on -one interactions, which I think could definitely indicate, like, your career. Like, not indicate, but... It could aid you with your career and your finances in a sense because I think that a lot of um, opportunities and stuff are kind of created based on who we know and those one-on-one -on -one interactions and like building that trust. So I think if you have a certain um, sign on your ascendant, that could sort of help you because if you have like Libra on your ascendant or Sagittarius, for example, those are like very charming placements and they're very lucky a lot of the time. So they tend to, I feel like, get more opportunities. Um, not to say that you wouldn't if you didn't have those, but it's just something I've noticed. Um, and then your midheaven, like I said, that's all about your career. So whatever you have on your career is also going to be a good indicator of like wealth and how much money you can make. And this all kind of leads me to the planets. So a lot of people apparently ask, according to Google, I just sort of found this out while I was doing some of my own research later on, um, but a commonly asked question is, you know, what are the money planets? And from the research that I've done, and just from my own inner, not inner knowing, but my own uh, studies in astrology, um, the money planets tend to be like Jupiter... Venus, Saturn, and Pluto. So, why is it these four planets? Well, Jupiter is all about expansion, abundance, joy, optimism. So, Jupiter is something we always want to look at for money because, like I said, Jupiter is expansion. It's always, like, you know, bigger and better and, you know, just always looking to aim for that next thing. Like, if you think of Jupiter... Um, Jupiter rules the sign Sagittarius, and if you think about Sagittarius' symbol, which is the archer with the arrow, and, you know, he's, like, he's usually got, like, the arrow pointed up in the sky, like, he's aiming for something, and he's gonna shoot his arrow, that's what I think of when I think of Jupiter, because it's always aiming for the next thing, the bigger and better thing, whatever that is, um, so that is definitely something to look at, is, you know, where is Jupiter in your chart, how is it aspected, um, and then there's one other thing I'm going to kind of touch on, but I'm going to wait till I 
go over all these planets first. And then you also have Venus, which Venus rules the signs Libra and Taurus. Venus is all about, like, charm and charisma and luxury, um, things that are beautiful and, like, very aesthetically pleasing. And it's also a very, like, indulgent planet, I feel like. Um, and Venus is the traditional ruler of the second house. So that's why Venus is, like, a money planet because, like I said, it rules Taurus. Taurus rules the second house. So because it's tied in with that, that's why you want to look to see where Venus is in your chart. And, you know, again, like, how is it aspected? What is it doing? Like, there's so many things to look at. Um, then we have Saturn, which Saturn, I always think of, like, Saturn as, like, being Jupiter's opposite. <laughs> um, even though I don't think that's, like, traditionally correct in astrology, but they're just totally different energies. So, while Jupiter is more about expansion, Saturn is a little bit more about restriction. Um, my, the best way I can kind of talk about, like, Jupiter and Saturn is, like, I always imagine, like, Jupiter is kind of, like, this happy-go-lucky, like, college frat boy that's just, like, ready to, like, party, and he's like, yeah, like, whatever, I can spend all this money, I don't care, let's have fun, um, you know, like, you know, who needs to study? I can, I, I can go out and play beer pong and, you know, spend money at the bar and whatever, you know, they, like, they just don't worry about money because maybe they're, they're, rich and their parents take care of everything um and they're just in college having fun whereas like Saturn I would imagine is like and I don't know why I'm thinking of college here but on the other hand of that I imagine Saturn is like the very like um I don't know like very like like Saturn's more about like restriction so when I think of Saturn I think of it as like that person that's putting themselves through college and, like, they don't have a lot of money and they're going to community college and they're, like, you know, working really hard to get their degree and they know it's going to take them a while, but they're okay with that because they have a lot of patience and they work two jobs and they um, also take classes full-time and they're paying for it all out of pocket and, like, they're, you know, all they do is, like, work hard and study and blah, blah, blah. Like, they're very, like, um, disciplined with what they do. And that, for some reason, those are just the two characters of Saturn that, or not Saturn, um, Saturn and Jupiter that I have in my head when I think of those two planets. Um, and I'm not saying that one is good or one is bad by any means or that I'm judging anyone who relates to that. But basically, um, Saturn is just much more about, like, restrictions and discipline and hard work. And I also really feel like Saturn has a lot to do with, like, your money mindset. I think, um... You know, Saturn can definitely be a good indicator of your beliefs and thoughts towards money. Like, I think a lot about people in my generation who are um, Saturn and Aries people. And I feel like his Aries is like this very, like, you know, ready for anything, go, go, go kind of a energy. And, you know, I feel like that's why people in my generation tend to not worry so much about money. I mean, obviously, I think they do, for sure. Um, but I feel like that's where you get this sort of, like, you know, oh, like, money's always going to come back to me. I know I'm going to make more of it. Like, I have a job, so there's no need to worry. Like, like, we're very good at, like, being resourceful and just knowing how to kind of make money in a pinch, I feel like. Um, but anyways, that's just kind of what Saturn is about. Like, Saturn is, like, the long-term game, whereas Jupiter is kind of like, here you go. Like, here's a present. You know, like, here's all this money, like, depending on how it's aspecting your chart. And then Saturn is more like, okay, like, what are you going to work towards? What are your goals? Like, where are you going to be really disciplined? And 
how are you going to manage your money? It's like the more responsible sort of a sign, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and then the last planet I have here is Pluto, which I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, I was really confused as to why Pluto was considered a money planet. And after doing a little bit of research on that, the only thing that I kept seeing was that it's because Pluto rules the 8th house and is, you know, it's traditionally ruled by Scorpio. Pluto rules Scorpio. So that's the only reason, like, I've read that it's important to look to where Pluto is in your chart. Um, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than I know Pluto is a lot about transformation. Um... If anyone has a different take on that or knows anything, please email me or message me on Instagram because I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, but I, I can't really fully understand what it has to do with money so much. But it is the ruler of the 8th house, um, so it is another planet that you can look towards in your natal chart. Um, so now that I've sort of gone over all the planets that have to do with wealth and the houses that have to do with wealth and money... Some things that I noticed while looking at these charts were that um, a lot of these people tend to have the signs Scorpio, Capricorn, Aquarius, Sagittarius, Libra, or Taurus on either their second house, eighth house, eighth house or Ascendant in Midheaven. Um, so those are like some really key things to look at. And the reason I chose Scorpio, Capricorn, Aquarius, Sagittarius, Libra, or Taurus um, is not only not only because I saw a lot of these show up in the natal chart, but also because um, those are all the signs that are ruled by all the planets that I mentioned. So if you have any of those signs on, on your, um, oh my god, why am I blinking here? On any of those placements, your second second house, eighth house uh, axis, or your eight, ascendant in midheaven, um, those are some really prime points to look at. Um, another thing that I noticed was a lot of these people had um, like Capricorn stelliums or a lot of Capricorn in their chart. Um, that was like a big thing that would come up. Also, the moon phases was another thing that popped up a lot. Um, but I'm going to actually circle back to that. Um, the next thing that I have written down here that I want to talk about, so I looked a lot at, um, aspects in, like, what kind of patterns the aspects made in their natal chart, and the most common aspects that popped up were they either had a lot of squares or a lot of T-squares, or some of them had a lot of trines in their chart, and I think a lot of this is because with squares, um, especially, like, T-squares, like, it causes a lot of this tension, so that's really kind of, like, almost like putting a fire under their ass to like really get things going and it creates a lot of tension which sounds like a bad thing but tension can certainly be a good thing in some cases because that tension really motivates people to get things done in their chart. Um, I have a couple T-squares in my chart so I totally get this. Um, trines on the other hand, trines can go either way. Trines either, so here's the thing about trines. Trines basically remove all obstacles so that things go very smoothly in the natal chart. And a lot of people think that this is a good thing, and it certainly can be a good thing for sure, but because it removes all obstacles and kind of adds a lot of, like, rapid changes, um, there's a few things that can happen here. One thing is that sometimes people with a lot of trines in their charts can actually become lazy because th things come so easily to them. The other thing that can happen is that um, sometimes you know, this creates a lot of rapid movement for negative things to happen. So, the trines, I feel like, are kind of like a, 
a double-sided coin in that way where it can either create really good things or sometimes really bad things. Um, I'm not saying it's one or the other. Um, and of course, like I said, we have free will. So, you know, anything can happen. But those are some of the things I noticed. Another thing that came up a lot was the cradle pattern, which I found very interesting. I had to do a little bit of research because I'm not super familiar with this pattern. But what I did learn about it is that, first of all, it's also sometimes known as, like, the trapeze. The other thing I've noticed is that um, this pattern can create a longing for security for a lot of people. Um, and from what I understand is there, it creates a lot of this need for, like, balance. And because people with these cradles really want a lot of security, they can sometimes create almost, like, a false sense of, sense of security. And they just have to be really careful um, because they just really need to learn to, like, balance things. Otherwise, this false sense of security that they've built for themselves can come crashing down. And I thought that was really interesting, and I thought that that had a lot to do with money, for sure, because, um, money is a big thing that we tend to cling on to for security because it is a tool, it is a resource, it is something that we need to get by in our society that we live in. So I found that really interesting, I also discovered that um, after doing a little bit more research just to see if there was anything that I missed based on my own studies, um, I came across something that said that anything with a, um, anything with like aspects between Venus, Pluto, and then even Jupiter can be a really great thing um, for indicating like wealth or money in the needle chart. Um, so that was really fascinating. And then I found out that there's actually a thing in astrology that's known as the millionaire's aspect, um, which I didn't really get a chance to check and see if any, any of these charts had that in their, in their natal chart. But according to many astrologers, there's this thing called the millionaire's aspect, and that is an aspect between Jupiter and Neptune. And I'm really curious as to why... This is known as a millionaire's aspect only because Jupiter, I get, like, I understand why Jupiter would be involved because that's all about expansion. The Neptune aspect, I'm, like, so dumbfounded by because I just don't, and here's the thing, like, Neptune is all about delusions and I feel like even as I'm learning about Neptune, there is a lot of this smoke and mirrors because I keep finding out that Neptune is, like, an indicator for all these different things. Um... I did read something about how Neptune is, like, very spiritual, so it kind of helps you do that inner work to sort of get to those millions. At least that was kind of the vibe that I picked up. Um, but that's definitely something I'm going to have to revisit at some point because I just, I find that really fascinating. And I don't, I don't fully understand why Neptune would be part of that, but that is something to look for if you're curious about, um, if you have potential to be a millionaire, maybe, um... Again, I'm not saying one way or another if that, that will happen if you have it in your chart, but it supposedly is the millionaire aspect between Jupiter and Neptune, and I guess it can be any aspect, you guys. It doesn't have to be, like, a trine or a sextile or anything that's, like, typically known for positive. It can be a square, an opposition, literally anything from what, I, what I've read. Um, so that's the aspects, and that brings me to natal chart patterns. Now, this is something I actually want to do a separate episode on at some point because I think natal chart patterns are super fascinating, and this is something that I cover when I do one-on-one -on -one natal chart readings. So, if you're curious about your chart and you want more insight, um, you can always email me or hit me up on Instagram or check out my uh, Etsy shop 
for um, a natal chart reading. I am more than happy to do that. But yeah, natal chart patterns are super fascinating. And the most common, there was two very common charts that came up, um, or sorry, not charts, patterns that came up in these charts. And something I saw a lot was the seesaw pattern and the bull pattern. And the thing that I found really interesting about this is that both of these patterns have a lot to do with um, either like trying to balance, there's a lot of duality, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of duality with both of these patterns. So people with a seesaw pattern, um, they tend to feel like they're living two separate lives. Like there's an imbalance between like, you know, maybe their public life and their private life or what's theirs and not theirs. And then with the bull patterns, um, these people, so people with a bull pattern, they tend to have planets like all on one side of their chart. So it looks like a bull. And people with a bull pattern tend to feel like part of their life is missing because like half their chart is completely empty, which isn't a bad thing, by the way. Um, it's just something that might come up a lot for these people. And, um, it's just very, very fascinating to me. And also, so for the seesaw pattern, just to sort of explain, because I just realized I kind of didn't really explain what natal chart patterns are. So first of all, natal chart patterns are, um, it's just the pattern that the planets make based on where they're sitting in your chart, if that makes sense. Um, you can also just Google natal chart pattern and some images will come up that might kind of explain it a little bit better, especially if you're like a visual learner, like I know I am. Um, and so that's kind of like what they are. The seesaw pattern, just for reference, um, the seesaw pattern is like when you have like a cluster of like planets on one side of your chart and then on the other side there's like another cluster of planets and they're almost like directly across from each other so it kind of looks like a seesaw. Um, and so anyways, circling back a bit, um, the the fact that there's like this duality um, for these people is really interesting to me. I noticed a lot of cartoonists, so Matt Stone who's like the creator of South Park and Matt Groat Raining, who does The Simpsons, Futurama, and Disenchanted, um, they both had a seesaw pattern, which I thought was interesting and kind of made me wonder if, like, you know, th so there's this whole theme of, like, them living two separate lives, and I wonder if that's kind of, like, where the escapism of, like, creating cartoons sort of comes from, because, like, they have this, like, fantasy life of, like, creating cartoons and scenarios and stuff like that, and then they have their real life. Um, Dolly Parton also had this, which I thought was interesting, and it almost makes me wonder a little bit about, like, so she's a musician, and she's a country musician, and she's wonderful, but part of me wonders, like, is, is she not really this, like, country persona that she's always put off? Like, what if she really, you know, I don't know, like, what if there's actually more to her than what, what we actually know? Like, there's a different side to her? Obviously, I don't know, but seeing that she has this pattern in her chart as well is very interesting to me. Um, and then as far as the bull patterns go, I just really wonder, like, were these people really focused on, you know, money and success that they feel like they're kind of missing some sort of normalcy or they missed out on certain experiences in their life because they had to choose one over the other? Um, and that's another thing I see with these patterns is I feel like there may have, may have been this, like, inner conflict with having to choose one lifestyle over another or making, like, a lot of big choices, you know, one over another, something like that. Um, 
so yeah, so those are the patterns. And I think lastly, I'm just going to go over some of these charts and then just quickly talk about just some other things that I've noticed. Um, so this is kind of like the more miscellaneous part of the episode. Um, so originally when I was doing my research, I came across like young, wealthy celebrities and people like Rihanna and Kylie Jenner showed up. They were like the only two people that I could really like research. Um, and I just found that to be really interesting because, well, let me explain what I found interesting. I don't know why I'm like getting ahead of myself here. Um, the biggest thing I noticed with these two, at least, and a lot of, like, younger, wealthy celebrities, and this was common with, um, not even just younger, wealthy celebrities, but, like, wealthy celebrities in general, was that a lot of them had heavy Mercury aspects. Like, they had, like, nine or ten aspects to their Mercury. Which, at first, I was kind of, like, wondering how that has to do, like, what that has to do with money. And I was like, well, maybe they just get really good ideas, and they're good at communicating and executing them. And then I remember that Mercury is actually, um, it's the ruler, not ruler, but it's associated with youth, youthfulness. That's why, um, signs that are ruled by Mercury, like Gemini and Virgo, kind of have, um, this thing where they're kind of known for being very youthful and almost childlike in a way, or innocent, um, and so Mercury is heavily associated with youth. And so I think when you have nine or ten aspects to astrology, or to, not to astrology, sorry guys, I'm like stumbling over my words now. Um, nine or ten aspects to your Mercury, that could definitely make it so that you accumulate a lot of wealth at a younger age. Um, Rihanna had this, Kylie Jenner had this. Um, who else? I want to say, I think Dolly Parton might have had this too, but I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Howard Stern also had this, but the catch with that is that his birth time wasn't very accurate, so um, that might not be accurate, but that was something that I did see when I looked at his chart that was available, and I found that to be really fascinating. Um, another thing that was very common was that a lot of these celebrities tend to have um, either a waning uh, gibbous or a waxing gibbous or a waning crescent or a waxing crescent moon. Like, that was the moon phase on the day they were born. And this is something new that I haven't really looked into up until recently. But I just found this very fascinating. I don't fully understand what all the moon phases mean on, like, the day someone was born yet because, again, it's just, like, a new thing I've come across. But... Based on what I do know about the moon phases already, um, I just wonder if the reason that these people that have accumulated a lot of wealth were born on, like, a waning or waxing moon phase is because, so, like, if, if you guys know anything about the moon phases, which I have talked about on here before, um, those are, ten those tend to be the sort of, like, in-between times where the moon is sort of, like, working towards becoming something else, so, like, you know, either the moon is working towards, like, growing and becoming full, or it's disseminating and it's working on kind of, like, you know, moving on from being full to the next phase. And so I just wonder if people born on these moon phases, if they just have a lot more drive because they, they have this momentum where they're sort of working towards something else. And I think that could probably make them very goal-oriented, maybe. Um, again, I'd probably have to do some more research on that, but that's just my own thoughts on it based on just what I already know about the moon phases. Um, 
I just feel like it, it totally gives them this, like, momentum to keep working towards the next thing. Um, because with new moons, like, again, we're, with new moons, we're starting something. And with full moons, we are usually ending something. So when we're in that in-between phase, um, that's usually when all the work and the magic happens. So I found that to be very interesting. Um, I also noticed that... Um, a, a lot of them had, like, an even balance in their chart of, like, uh, the modes. So the modes are cardinal, mutable, and fixed. Um, that's probably, I can't remember if I did an episode on that before. Um, if I haven't, I should. But anyways, um, they had like an even balance of those. That was like a, a common thing that I saw. Um, I also noticed, like I said, if, you know, they t- typically had, um, Scorpio, Taurus, uh, Libra, Sagittarius, and Aquarius on either their second house, eighth house, ascendant, or midheaven. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's everything I wanted to cover. Um, before I go, I will leave you guys with an affirmation for this week. And I figured since, um, this week I'm talking about money, a couple of affirmations I would like to leave you with are, I'm abundant always and always. I have more than enough money to pay my bills and buy whatever I want. And lastly, this new one is my favorite affirmation that I like to use a lot, um, which is every day is payday. I actually got that one from a Fifth Harmony song. I think it's their song Boss with the dollar signs. And they're like, every day is payday. And so I was like, you know what? That's a great affirmation. I'm going to start using that. So those are a couple little affirmations that I'm leaving you guys with. Happy full moon and happy Mercury retrograde um, because those are coming up in a few days. Um, and yeah, I got, hope you guys have an amazing week. Thanks again for joining me. If you'd like to connect with me, you can follow me on Facebook, Space Witch Podcast. You can join the Facebook group if you want to know more, the Space Witch community. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Whitney the Space Witch. And if you would like a reading, feel free to email me, Space Witch Podcast or Space Witch Readings at gmail.com. Um, you can DM me, DM me on Instagram or you can find me on Etsy, which I believe it's the Space Witch Shop. Um, and yeah, I love you guys so much. Thank you for joining me this week. And I will catch you here next time on the Space Witch Podcast.